Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 5 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. This segment is John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress, Podcast 16, Episode 1, Chapter 1A, The Dream. First, I would like to give credit to Project Gutenberg for their outstanding services in making classic books in the public domain available. Their library is vast, and I am indebted for their services and strongly recommend that you peruse their library. All direct quotes from Bunyan's classic tale are taken from Project Gutenberg. The explication is my own. John Bunyan is a contemporary of John Milton. In earlier podcasts, Linda and I explored all 12 books of Milton's extraordinary epic poem, Paradise Lost. Our purpose with John Milton, as well as with John Bunyan, and may I add Edmund Spencer's Fairy Queen, which we just completed, is to faithfully present their views of the Christian experience through their art. Our reference is the King James Bible. Milton, Bunyan, and Spencer all have one thing in common. Theirs is the journey epic, symbolizing the journey that we all must make in returning to paradise, or to heaven, our former home. It is no coincidence that the King James Bible is written in the same epic form. The Oxford English Dictionary defines epic as a poem typically derived from ancient oral tradition, which celebrates in the form of a continuous narrative the achievements of one or more heroic characters of history or legend. Examples of epic poetry are the Old Testament, Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, Spencer's Fairy Queen, Milton's Paradise Lost, Dante's Inferno, Virgil's Aeneid, Bunyan's epic Pilgrim's Progress is unique. The classic epic hero is a king or queen or prophet or great hero. Christian, who represents all Christians seeking salvation, is an ordinary person. Bunyan himself was a tinker. The classic epic style is elevated poetry. Pilgrim's Progress can be read by children. In addition, Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. Christian is the only character that represents a person, though it represents all Christians on a journey to salvation. The other characters are types that symbolize virtues or vices, such as obstinate, pliable, evangelist, help, and worldly wise. We know by their names what they represent. The allegory clearly fits well with Bunyan's purpose, since virtues lead us to heaven and vices lead us to hell. Spencer does the same thing in The Fairy Queen, the story of the Red Cross Knight. We have the house of pride versus the house of holiness, the seven deadly sins versus the seven heavenly virtues. Pilgrim's Progress begins with a dream. Please note that I take some liberties in truncating the speeches as it is impractical to quote every word though I will try to be as faithful as possible to the original text. Linda reads directly from the text. Christian is speaking. 
As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where was a den and laid me down in that place to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and behold, I saw a man clothed with rags, standing in a certain place with his face from his own house, a book in his hand, and a great burden upon his back. I looked and saw him open the book and read therein, and as he read, he wept and trembled, and not being able longer to contain, he break out with a lamentable cry, saying, What shall I do? Pilgrim's Progress is the story of a poor man who is unhappy with his sinful life and therefore seeks repentance. The book in hand is the Holy Bible. The burden on his back is a knowledge of his sins. He feels remorse and wants to know the way of repentance and redemption. Christian has a family, therefore he goes home and pours out his heart to his wife. In this plight, therefore, he went home and restrained himself as long as he could that his wife and children should not perceive his distress. But he could not be silent long, because that his trouble increased. Wherefore, at length he brake his mind to his wife and children, and thus he began to talk to them. O my dear wife, said he, and you, my sweet children, I, your dear friend, am in myself undone by reason of a burden that lieth hard upon me. I am told to a certainty that this our city will be burned with fire from heaven, in which fearful overthrow, both myself with thee, my wife, and you, my sweet babes, shall miserably come to ruin, except some way of escape can be found whereby we may be delivered. His family thought he had a touch of madness and hoped sleep would settle his brain. However, he couldn't sleep and wept all night. So when morning was come, they would know how he did. He told them, worse and worse. He also set to talking to them again, but they began to be hardened. They also thought to drive away his madness by harsh and surly treatment of him. Sometimes they would ridicule, sometimes they would chide, and sometimes they would quite neglect him. Wherefore, he began to retire himself to his chamber to pray for and pity them, and also to sorrow over his misery. He would also walk solitary in the fields, sometimes reading and sometimes praying, and thus for some days he spent his time. Christian asks the ultimate question that all Christians must ask. Now I saw... Upon a time when he was walking in the fields, that he was, as he was wont, reading in his book, and greatly distressed in his mind. And as he read, he burst out, as he had done before, crying, What shall I do to be saved? Christian embarks on a journey to answer that question. It may seem strange that Christian abandons his family. One would naturally think that he would want to take his family with him. One must keep in mind, however, that this is not a journey of time and space, but a journey of the soul. He cannot take them with him until he first knows the way himself. That is the dreamlike quality of the journey. He doesn't actually leave the house. Now, keep in mind that the narrator is Bunyan. He is observing Christian. The I in the story is John Bunyan. 
The story was written while John Bunyan... 1628 to 1688, was in prison where he served 12 years for refusing to give up preaching. The analogy cannot be dismissed. It is an escape chronicle. The world is a kind of prison from which we must escape to get to paradise. Prison images punctuate the journey. The first thing that happens to Christian when he embarks on his journey is to get stuck in the slough of Despond, where he is about to sink to his death. I saw also that he looked this way and that way, as if he would run, yet he stood still, because, as I perceived, he could not tell which way to go. I looked then and saw a man named Evangelist coming to him, who asked, Wherefore dost thou cry? At this point, Christian meets Evangelist. Evangelist, of course, is Bunyan himself, a Puritan preacher and nonconformist. Christian answers, Sir, I read in the book in my hand that I am condemned to die, and after that to come to judgment. And I find that I am not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. Religion, by its very nature, must deal with paradox. Anyone familiar with the Holy Bible is familiar with Christian paradoxes. For example, He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It is the natural man versus the spiritual man, which is a theme in Pilgrim's Progress. In fact, Evangelist represents a very large Christian paradox. Then said Evangelist, Why not willing to die, since this life is troubled with so many evils? Christian gives the answer that many Christians would give. The man answered, Because I fear that this burden that is upon my back will sink me lower than the grave, and I shall fall into Tophet. And sir, If I be not fit to go to prison, I am not fit to go to judgment, and from thence to death, and the thoughts of these things make me cry. In one of the most famous scenes in Hamlet, if not in Shakespeare, Hamlet addresses the same issue. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, or by opposing end them. To die, to sleep no more, and by a sleep to say we end. The heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream, ay, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come, when we have shuffled off this mortal coil, must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office, and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes. 
when he himself might his quietus make with the bare bodkin, who would Fardell spare to grunt and sweat under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country, from whose born no traveller returns, puzzles the will, and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of. Thus conscience does make cowards of us all, and thus the native hue of resolution is sickled o'er with the pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pith and moment, with this regard their currents turn awry, and lose the name of action, soft, you know, the ferrophilia, nymph, in the orisons, be all my sins remembered. Evangelist understands the dilemma, and of course he had already anticipated the answer, therefore he asked another question more to the point. Then said Evangelist, If this be thy condition, why standest thou still? In other words, why don't you do something about it? That is the dilemma that many Christians face. He doesn't know what to do. He answered, because I know not whither to go. Then he gave him a parchment roll, and there was written within, Flee from the wrath to come. The man, therefore, read it, and looking upon Evangelist very carefully said, Whither must I fly? This is the paradox Christian faces. He doesn't know where to go, but Evangelist, who symbolizes the Puritan point of view, another thing that Bunyan has in common with Milton, knows exactly where Christian should go to escape the calamity to come. Then said Evangelist, pointing with his finger over a very wide field, Do you see yonder wicked gate? The man said no. Then said the other, Do you see yonder shining light? He said, I think I do. Then said Evangelist, Keep that light in your eye, and go up directly thereto. So shalt thou see the gate, at which, when thou knockest, it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. The light in your eye would be the Holy Spirit. Christian is so excited that he runs like a madman. Even his wife and children cannot stop him. So I saw in my dream that the man began to run. Now he had not run far from his own door, when his wife and children, perceiving it, began to cry after him to return. But the man put his finger in his ears and ran on, crying, Life, life, eternal life. So he looked not behind him, but fled toward the middle of the plain. Again, the journey is a spiritual one that he must take alone. Like the old spiritual says, You got to walk that lonesome valley. You got to walk it by yourself. Ain't nobody going to walk it for you. You've got to walk it by yourself. Immediately, Christian meets opposition from wife, children, and neighbors. Two neighbors particularly take an active role. Obstinate, who symbolizes those who won't support anything new, and pliable, who's just the opposite. The following is the dialogue between the three characters. What, said Obstinate, and leave our friends and comforts behind us? Yes, said Christian, for that was his name because that all which you forsake is not worthy to be compared with a little of that I am seeking to enjoy. 
and if you would go along with me and hold it, you shall fare as I myself, for there where I go is enough and to spare. Come away and prove my words. What are the things you seek since you leave the world to find them? I seek a place that can never be destroyed, one that is pure and that fadeth not away, and it is laid up in heaven and safe there, to be given at the time appointed to them that seek it with all their heart. Read it so, if you will, in my book. Tush, said Obstinate, away with your book. Will you go back with us or no? No, not I, said the other, because I have put my hand to the plow. Come then, neighbor pliable, let us turn again and go home without him. There is a company of these crazy-headed fools that when they take a fancy by the end are wiser in their own eyes than seven men that can render a reason. Then said Pliable, Don't revile if what the good Christian says is true. The things he looks after are better than ours. My heart inclines to go with my neighbor. What? More fools still? Be ruled by me and go back. Who knows whither such a brain-sick fellow will lead you. Go back, go back, and be wise. Nay, but do thou come with thy neighbor pliable. There are such things to be had which I spoke of, and many more glories besides. If you believe not me, read here in this book, and for the truth of what is told therein. Behold, all is made by the blood of him that made it. Well, neighbor obstinate, said Pliable, I begin to come to a point. I intend to go along with this good man and to cast in my lot with him. But, my good companion, do you know the way to this desired place? I am directed by a man whose name is Evangelist to speed me to a little gate that is before us. There we shall receive directions about the way. Come then, good neighbor. Let us be going. Then they went, both together. And I will go back to my place, said Obstinate. I will be no companion of such misled, fantastical fellows. Now I saw in my dream that when Obstinate was gone back, Christian and Pliable went talking over the plain, and thus they began. Please join us next week as Christian and Pliable, without Obstinate, Begin the journey together. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.